Okay, so we're dedicating this class for the imminent miracles that Halabai we should witness today of how we are going to get back all of the Jews that were kidnapped Amen. and for the success of all of our soldiers Amen. and for the safety of all of the Jewish people everywhere. Amen. Amen. One of the reactions that people have towards what happened on Simchas Torah and we are already, today is the Shloish Mamash, it's a month in, is that people are overwhelmed because it is overwhelming. And just as a rule, when people are overwhelmed, there's two, two options that I'm aware of. One is called to dissociate. And that's something that God put on the human being when they face actions, things that are overwhelming. Um, this is something that happens tragically if people are molested when they're children. They have no option. They dissociate. They, they push it. They leave. They check out. And that creates all sorts of terrible dysfunctions that they have to deal with. And that's one option. And that's why many people right now are so overwhelmed that they said, I had enough, I can't take it. And they just checked out. I'm going to Miami, I'm going on vacation. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. But they go there, the Kavana, uh, Miami is, a, that's the punishment, especially to Miami. That's dissociation. And the, and the, healthy, the healthy reaction when things are overwhelming is to become, is to surrender. To surrender to what is. To acknowledge that we are not in control. Number two, which for for Yidin is so important, number one without number two is not healthy, is to acknowledge that God is in control. Not this person, not that person, not this group, not that group. And to, and to experience, I know we know these words, this is our opportunity and our responsibility to rise to the occasion and to really have bittle and to surrender to God. And I want to connect this to a very deep maimed of the Alter Rebbe on this week's portion, which is the portion of Chai Yisara. The Parsha records the purchase of the Mo'ara Samach Pela. And let me just introduce a quick medrash. Medrash Rabbah, this is a known medrash that last week when Avram and Sarah received the three angels right, that they thought were uh, Arabs, and they were hospitable, and part of that was hands-on hospitality, aside of pocket hospitality, and Avram went running after a goat, and the image of our Zayd Avram, who was not a young Jew then, with a long white beard, that, uh, right, not just, he was sitting in shul with a talus and tefillin, which is how many people would imagine a holy grandfather, he was running after a goat, to shech the goat, to give the guests fresh food. And the goat was running away. It's almost a funny image. And the goat ran into the Ma'ara Samach And as the Medrash writes, that in this world, there is a place, there is a physical place, that in English the word is portal. That is a portal to the next world. You, we use the word Shar Hashamayim. If you go today to the Ma'ara Samach Pela, there are those that say that the Adizel was the one that pointed to the place in, in Yitzchak Avinu's room where, it, where you have Zeshar Hashamayim. Whether it's there, whether it's around there, no, there's a place that leads you into Gan Eden. These are words that Tal Rebbe attempts to explain. These are very deep ideas, but the goal is not to understand it, but to experience it. But first we have to know what we're looking to experience. And Adam and Chava were buried there. 
because from there they went to Gan Eden. And mankind knew that this is a very special place, not only because Adam and Chava were buried there, but they knew because it's it, it, that's the gate between this world and the next. And everyone went there. And one of the losses that happened during the flood is that Taka Noyach and his family were saved, but we forgot where it is. But they knew that there was a Shara Shamaim. They knew that there was a portal between this world and the next world. They knew that. So, and Avram Avinu knew, everyone knew that. Mankind knew it. When Avram Avinu was running after his goat for the mitzvah of Achmas Sarchem, the goat ran in there. He ran into the Maras Machpela chasing a goat. He ran into a cave. And the moment he walked in there, he says, Oh, this is it. He smelled, these are the words, he smelled the air of Ganeidim. And he said to himself that I would like to be interred here. I would like for my wife to be interred here. There's another whole side topic, which is a very interesting topic, whether it's advantageous or disadvantageous to buy a burial place while you're still alive. Avram and Saru were of the opinion, the latter, that if you're living, don't buy it. He knew that whoever will pass away first, they had this deal between them. If he'll go first, she'll buy it for him. If she passed away, which is what happened, and he went, and that's how the parsha begins, and that's why he paid a tremendous fortune because of his knowledge, not only traditionally, because he went in there. The Friedrich Rebbe went into two places that most people do not enter. When he went to Europe, when he went to Czechoslovakia, when he went to Prague, there was a synagogue in which we have a tradition that the goylem went back to being a cl- just earth on the attic of a synagogue that's still standing, that the Nazis were not successful in burning. And there is a there is a ladder from which theoretically you can go up to the attic. There's no staircases as we have today. We're not allowed to go there because of the remains of the goylem being there. The Friedrich Rebbe went there and he writes that his father, he went there before he became a Rebbe, that his father reprimanded him. The Rebbe Zerashabs, whose birthday was just Shabbos, told him that you don't know how many nights I have to be awake to daven that you shouldn't be hurt spiritually because of going in there. So that was something that he did and he recorded it for us to know that you should not go there. It's not a good thing to go. And the other place that he went into was the three Dikerebbe went into the Ma'ara Samach I'm not talking about where we go. We go into a building that was built initially by Hurdus, by Herod, the same one who built the, the, the Kaisal Hamaravi. We go into the second story. The first story is a cemetery. Both Jews and Goim were buried there. It's very close to where our forefathers are buried. Very close. It's not on top of it at all, Bechlalo. And you have, at least they left exposed one of the entrances to the cave, if you can, I just envision the Ma'ara Samach right? You go up the first steps and then you make a left. And before the security, if you would look to your right, between you and the building, there's a, there's a big fence. You shouldn't fall. And if you look down there, you're going to see crevices in the ground. The Fri Dekerebbe went there. The Fri Dekerebbe went to Israel in 1929 and he wrote about it to his daughter who later was murdered by the Nazis. The Fri Dekerebbe had three daughters. Two of them survived. His youngest daughter was murdered, and he wrote different types of letters to each one of his three daughters. We have his, his letters are beautiful, and he has a record of his emotions. It's not a Talmudic letters. It's not a logical. It's emotional letters of what he experienced when he went to the Holy Land. It mamish will make you cry when you read it. 
how he writes what he felt by the Kaisel Hamaravi. That he went there first. And then how he went to Keva Rachel. And he had a much more Ruchniyazdik experience there. And he writes to his daughter that when he went to Keva Rachel, he says he felt that he's a handbreadth above this entire world. He did not feel like he was in this world. And then from there he went to the Mara Samach Pela. The Arabs allowed him to enter. He went in there and he writes dot, dot, dot. That means we have no idea what happened. There was a famous um, Sfardik Mekubal by everyone called the Chidah. The Chidah happened to live mamish at the same time of the Alter Rebbe. I think he was not born in 1748. He passed away the same year. He, pa- he passed away a little bit later. But they were born and passed. The Chidah had a grandfather that's not as known as the Chidah. His name is Avram Azulai. He was the Rav in Hebron. So this must have happened in the beginning of the 18th century. 1710. I don't know when. In the beginning of the 17th century, this is still when the Ottomans, when the Turks were uh, occupying our land. They occupied it for 400 years. They were there for a long time. And listen to, listen to this is something that he wrote in his book. He wrote a book in three days and this is the intro. What was the story? That this great uh, Muslim leader called the Pasha came to visit Hebron. And everyone knew that this is uh, Mara Samach Pela. They knew that uh, Adam and Chava, everyone knows what's going on over there. And he was, he had with him a weapon that was very precious. He had a sword that had a, a big ruby on the, on the handle of the sword. It was a precious weapon. And when he came to the opening of the Ma'ara Samach Pela, he also knew not to go in the building. The building is there for 2,000 years. He went to the real entrance, he leaned over, and his sword fell in there. So he got rope. All of this is written in the intro. He got rope, he gave it to, he, he was going with the whole entourage, this Pasha. He was going with his Chevre. Um, One of the people, religious leader, a police officer, had himself tied by the waist. He was lowered to retrieve the sword. They let him there for a while. They pull him up, he's dead. So he lowered another. After the third one died, he realized that we're not allowed to go there and you pay with your life, but he wanted a sword back. So what do you do? What everyone does, he made an edict against the Jewish community in Hebron that if he doesn't get a sword back in 72 hours, all the Jews will be expelled from Hebron. We also have a tradition that unless you were given permission from up high, you were not allowed to go there. Now what do you do? So the, so the Rav of the city declared a fast day. He asked for men and women to fast. He took upon himself to go in there. And he wrote about this. He says that they lowered him with a rope. And he encountered three people. I'm almost quoting verbatim. And they handed him the sword. And they told him in the holy tongue, not the way the Spartan pronounced it, the way Ashkenazim pronounced it. I don't know that he didn't write. He told him, let's find out the M is there. He, to- they, he told him, we presume it's the Avot. We don't know. They told him that in a few days you will be with us. So when he got up, he knew he has a few days left to live. So he wrote this event in the introduction. He wrote his final Sefer and he passed away a few days later. That's the grandfather of the Chidon. So here we're talking about this concept of a place that has the ear of Ganeiden. Oh, he also wrote, I'm sorry. He wrote that he smelled the ear of Ganeiden. So what does that mean? 
I'm saying words, the words everyone can understand, and if we have the experience, then we can get there. We're not rushing to get there, because if we really, really get there, then we're not going to be here more than a couple of days, and no one is rushing there, at least. We should not be rushing to go there. The Alter Rebbe opens up the Maimer to explain the Mo'ara Samach At the end of the Maimer, he writes one line. That means he purposefully does not elaborate because he wants us to do some hard work on our own, which is important. And then he writes, to understand the Mo'ara Samach he writes a Maimer. This is the only Maimer on a Zmira that Chabad sings on Shabbos. So just a quick, another side introduction. One of the beautiful parts of Jewish culture, which is something that Chabad almost does not have, is that on Shabbos, by all the meals, Friday night, Shabbos day, the third meal, Matzah Shabbos, there are certain beautiful poems that were written over the past thousands of years that are very deep and mystical. Many of them also happen to rhyme. They were written with divine inspiration. People who understand the language, and we sing them, we dafka sing them, zmiris, we don't say them, we sing them. The Fidek ever wrote, we already mentioned there, how important it is to sing when you eat. It elevates the food, etc. The Siddur was written by the men of the Great Assembly, who lived 2,500 years ago, and most of them were prophets. They were Chachamim and they were Nevi'im. It was written by Ezra, and his, they, he wrote the Siddur. means the Siddur was written by the greatest people that we had as a people. These emitters were, writ- were written a few hundred years later, up until recently. You have some great Sephardic leaders, even from the last century, that they wrote Zmiras. If you read them, they had Ruach HaKadosh, how everything rhymes. And these are very difficult words. It's like not from this world to write it. The Arizal, who was on a whole different level, did not want to sing the Zmiras because he found them to be inaccurate on his mystical world. I want you to know that the fourth Rebbe used to sing Zemiris. People think that in Chabad, so the Alter Rebbe, when he wrote the Siddur, Alpi, the Arizal, you open up a Chabad Siddur. Today we call it Tehillah Sashem. The Alter Rebbe did not write Tehillah Sashem. That's just to know what happened. The Alter Rebbe wrote a Siddur, he didn't give it a name. And the name was Teira Oir, the Rebbe Davant and Teira Oir. The Arizal didn't write a Siddur. It was based on the Kabbalah of the Arizal. It's called Alpi. Nusachari, Alpi Nusachari, not Nusachari. There's no such a thing as Nusachari. So the Adizal, who was a mystic on a complete different level, we consider the Adizal as holy as the people that lived in the times of the prophets. Mamish, Mamish. The Adizal wrote three Zemiris one for Friday night, one for Shabbos day, one for Shabbos Shudis, and he put his name in it. The first letter of each. Pismain is his name. Oh, you'll see, Yitzchak. And that is something the Alter Rebbe put in the Siddur. So also, that we say that on Chabad we don't sing Zmiras, number one, we should sing Nigunim, and number two, we should sing the Zmira that the Alter Rebbe wrote. If you read it, you're reading Kabbalah. And the Alter Rebbe wrote this Maimir to explain the Ma'ara Samach Pela. He, 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 he speaks about this Pismain, and I'll say it by heart. And it goes like this. We're asking God, reveal to us. Tame means the taste. Tame means the seichel. Reveal to us the, the tam, the understanding. The besrei sarna'ame of the 12 loaves of bread. 
The Inun, because the 12 loaves of bread are us, Bishmei. They are a letter in God's name. Kfila, doubled. Ukelisha, thin, not doubled. Before the Alter Rebbe, everyone who interprets this Pismain, there are many books written to explain it, has one approach. In the Alter Rebbe, he's always new. He comes with a whole different understanding. Let me tell you the classic. The classic is like this. And that's something we are familiar with. When we make challah only for Shabbos, not for Yom Tif, Dafka for Shabbos, the Minig Yisrael is to make straight loaves. In the Beis HaMikdash, there was a table upon which 12 loaves of bread were baked every Friday. They, we uh, baked, I'm sorry. We baked it on Friday. We placed it on the table the next day on Shabbos, most of time. And we placed it on the table by removing the old ones, mamash at the same time. So we had these 12 shelves and we, we had a coin on each side. So they would put one bread, pushing off the old bread, making sure that the bread is always on that table. And one of the miracles that happened was that the bread that was removed Shabbos on the ninth day since it was baked, it was baked Friday. The seventh day of Friday is Thursday, you know, from a bris, for those of us who had sons, right? The bris is on the eighth day, same weekday. Shabbos is on the ninth day. The bread was smoking hot, not hot. It was so smoking hot that when Yom Tif came, when many Jews came to the Beis Amigdash, the Kehanim would lift up the table. They would take it outside for everyone to see how it's smoking from the bread. The whole time. Fresh, fresh. That means whatever the temperature was when they took it out of the oven, so it stayed until when they divided it amongst the kaihanim. There were many other miracles. We had thousands of kaihanim. There were only 12 loaves of bread. So they broke it into little crumbs. And every coin got a little piece. That's the source of the shirayim. Many chassidah shirayimahs give out shirayim. They give you a little crumb. And whoever ate it got fully satisfied. You ate a little this, you got still full. Another amazing. There were many nisim regarded to the, to the... So we had six and six. The twelve, huh? Physically, the whole mimer is everything has to be all the way down to the physical. Not only physical, but also and down to the physical. So there was six and six. What letter corresponds to six? Vav. Vav is a straight line. Really, we have we have lechem mishnah. We have lechem mishnah because the mana that fell every day did not fall on Shabbos. It fell on Friday double, double the amount. So that's the pshat. So we have on to remember. Double, now the kasha is, I have a simple question. When when did we get a double portion? On Friday. Actually, when Shabbos came, we didn't have any more double portion. On Shabbos, we only had one portion. We ate Friday, Friday. Whatever the answer is, Alpi Nigla is not for right now, because this is many, there's many steps we have to go through. But, but Alpi Kabbalah, the reason why we have two loaves, is because we want to have on our table, like the lechem upon him, above and above. That's why on Yom Tif, everyone has round chalas. It's not Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Tif. Every Yom Tif we have round. I know that many people have vilkalach that was made by ignorant people. And now Shabbos was supposed to have straight, not round. Many Hasidic Rebbe's, not in Chabad, they would actually put on the table 12 loaves of bread. And that's why women, they braid challah. Where did the braiding come from? That they made every challah out of six. That's where it came from. People didn't know about it. So then they said, why should I make it out of six? It's much easier to make it out of three or whatever your mother did. I don't know what, I'm not getting into that. 
but just when you the, the concept of lechem upon him, the the bread on the Friday table on the Shabbos table is connected to Shabbos because Shabbos is where we ate the bread. We put it on the table Shabbos, we removed it on Shabbos. The lechem upon him is connected to Shabbos. Six and six. So we should do six. So you should do six and six. It's good to know that. You don't have to. These things are Kabbalistic. Then you're missing the and the base there were twelve. No, there was two there were two there were two um uh, racks. Six and six. Mamish, separate you six and six. So what's the rack? Because 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 the whole reason why we have the two mystically is because on Shabbos we changed we exchanged the twelve loaves. Shabbos, not Yomtiv. On Yomtiv, there's nothing to do with twelve. Why would we make it straight? I think all bread was made round. This concept of narrow, skinny, and long was something that Eden made for Shabbos, and all the going copied us. I know that. Sometimes you go to certain places in Europe and you're going to find in the markets on Friday, challah. It's treif. They killed the Jews, but he took our good stuff. <laughs> mamish, and I, I saw a chala, like challah, and you think it's not kosher. And the goyim have it some places in Switzerland, they mamish, they eat what looks like challah. It's brioche. Huh? It's called brioche. Here you go, brioche, that's it. Ganovim, yeah. Shabbat, yeah, 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 very good, very good. You know, we don't follow al Kabbalah. The people who do everything al Kabbalah, excuse me, on Shabbos, they would always have straight. And people use, let's say, sour. It's okay, I know we don't do it. Let's say people use sour now. It's very common. Is that okay? It's, it's more than okay. No, it's fine. It's just, you're not, it's not like, yeah. because it's, it's round, it's not braided. I think it's very common. In other words, even the non-round, they're not narrow and long. And and the Yiddish Achala is the real. As time goes on, they make it wider. It used to be, anyways. So with that, no no. In other words, it was a vav. No no no. Very good, very good. They made a vav. The braiding. Oh, very good. In other words, I'll pick If if you're not gonna braid out of six, don't braid. Make it into a vav. If you're gonna braid it, then make six loaves. And by the way, the the, the braids are also narrow and long. How do you get a braid? A braid is a vav. But here you're going, you're going six and six. Okay. So they say like this. They say that the letter Vav, how do you spell letter Vav? Days, days. Vav, Vav. Oh. So Vav, Vav, Vav itself is a double letter. So so they explain, God revealed to me the Tam of the 12 loaves of bread. What are the 12 loaves of bread? It's really a Os Bishmei. It's a letter of your name. Which letter in your name? We have in the Yudke Vavke, we have the letter Vav. That letter is kfila uklisha. Kalisha means when you just write the letter the way we do it. But if you spell out the letter, if you spell out the letter, then you have vav vav. That's kfil doubled. Yod yod. Okay. Anyway, so that, that, and, and, and don't ask. That's, and everyone goes with that. And that's a whole thing. You can build buildings on that. The Altarebbe ignores that. The Altarebbe says this in what it means. He says, and the Altarebbe in this moment is not explaining the Vav, he's not explaining the Twelve, he's, not, he's explaining food. And he's explaining how different is the food of Shabbos than the food of the weekday. It's, it's day and night, a complete different type of food. So the secret, the Besrei said Name, the emphasis is not on the Twelve. Name, what's the secret of food? That food is really a letter in God's name, but it's a letter 
that could be double and it can be not doubled. And listen, listen to the concept. These are mystical concepts. First of all, just Alpi Kabbalah, get just the words. And it's very meaningful. I know some people like it, but they don't understand. But this is what it is. When we take God's name, there are four letters. Yud and a He, right? And then a Vav and a He. One of the ways of understanding this name is not by spelling out four letters, but by having two letters above and two letters below. So you have a Yud and a He on the top. You have a Vav and a He on the bottom. And then there is the merging of, there is the union of the top two letters going into the bottom two letters. People who, the Svardim say it, uh, every time we say it in Lubavitch, once a day before Baruch Sha'amar, people who don't daven never say it in Chabad. But there is a concept of making a unity between God's name, meaning uniting the letters Yud and Ahay with Vav and Ahay. But the way it's done is, is that the Yud merges into the Vav and the Hay connects with the Hay. Everything will be explained. Just listen to the words. The Altareb explains everything. That's Chabad Chasidus. The Yud goes into a Vav, there's, they merge, and the Hay merges with the Hay. Says the Alter Rebbe that there's a foundational difference between the Yud merging with the Vav versus the He and the He. When the Yud becomes the Vav, the Yud becomes the Vav. How do you spell Vav? You just said, with a Yud. A Vav is really two Yuds. I'll explain everything. You said the words. So when a Yud becomes a Vav, you're not imposing one on top of the other. The Yud metamorphoses into a Vav. The Yud becomes the Vav. So now that they are united, there's only one letter, Vav. What's the Vav? It's the Yud and the Vav. It's both. The He and the He cannot merge. Explain that in a moment. So even when you unite them, they're not united. It becomes the Ma'aras HaMachpel. Becomes like a double room. Becomes one on top of the other, one near the other, one touching the other, but you don't become Mamish one. In other words, there are two types of unity. One is where the two entities become one, and one is where they cannot become one, but they get very close. Okay, hold these thoughts. These are just the words. Now the Alter Rebbe begins to explain. And he says like this, that looking at from how God made the world, and the, the, and, the, and the fact that for us to live, we need food. Food takes up a big place in the Torah. You can even say, not even say, the Torah calls Karbonois God's food. In other words, the concept, even to say these words, that so to say God wants to eat, is like amazing. Not that God needs the food the way we need the food. But God calls the food, Lachmi, my bread. My bread, bread, yeah, bread. God made the world in a way we need, where we need to eat. Now, eating represents the entire mission for what we are here. See, some people take it literally, so they eat the whole time. They're fulfilling the mission. But the idea of eating is what we're here for. And what is the idea of eating? So the Alter Rebbe points out just, a, just a, an observation, a fact, that there is so much preparation that's needed prior to eating in most of the foods, that preparation involves separating bad from good, 
And even after you ate, when you put the food into your body, this is something that already happens on an unconscious level. It happens automatically that the body is doing what? Is working. It's avoido. It's separating from the food that you put it, that we ate. After enough, we chewed it. We broke it down. Not enough. It's separating the good from the bad. Until ultimately, the bad is expelled and the good goes to the liver. And from the liver, it goes, the way Kabbalah says, who knows, it becomes blood, which is in the liver. That's nefesh. Then it goes into the into the heart where it gets oxygenated. Ruach, oxygen. And then it goes into the mind and, it's, and, and, and it somehow allows the mind to receive the neshama. Nefesh, ruach, and neshama. The liver, the heart, lungs, and the brain. That's just a detail that's not in the gear for this moment. Why did God make it so? Because after the hate of Adam and Chava, there is nothing in this world that is pure. Not good and not bad. Not good, not bad. Everything has some good in it. And everything has some bad in it. When we're speaking about good, we're speaking of mystically that even the greatest of all evils has some good in it, which is the only reason why it's able to be. And why it's even shayach that people should be confused and call evil good is because there's some good in it. And the greatest good has something wrong in it. Mystically, what is? what do you mean in, in good there's something not good? What's the bad in the good? The highest level of bad in the good is, 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 is a person who wants to be noticed when they're doing good. There's a certain amount of acknowledgement that we need for the good. You did good, but the need of being seen, that's already the klipa in the good. When we read at the end of last week's parsha that Avram Avinu, and not at, the, at the end, that Avram Avinu was notified about the descendants of his brother Nachar leading to Rivka, so the Torah writes that there was a pelegish. Her name was Ruuma. Ruuma. Ruuma says that Arizal. Ruuma. Look, look how I, I'm nothing. Look how I'm humble. You have a person who does good and they're humble and they're humble. They're bittle, but they want you to notice how humble I am. On a subtle level, not okay. That's that's the that a human being, no matter how great they are, no matter how bottle they are, you have the clip of Ru'uma. Even Sadiqim. Even wow. In other words, the world that we have it is by nature. And what's our mission? Our mission is to separate the good from the bad. Let me say like this: the Al Rebbe takes it for granted. He's speaking to people. People, most people that we know, people like us, are people that we have another struggle. We know what's good, we know what's not good, and we still do the not good. Talmud is not addressing that. That's a different type of bitter. That's the simple yetsar hara. I know it's not good, but I want to do it, and, I'm, and, and sometimes I do it. He's not talking about that. He's speaking about people who already have the discipline of self-control. Now, if it's good, I'm going to do it. If it's bad, I'm going to abstain. The only thing is, I don't know what's good and what's bad. That's a very big uh, challenge that we all deal with a lot, a lot. It, it's it's a bigger challenge because when people fall in what they should not do, they do tshuva. It's just a matter of time. They, they when they do it, they know it's not good, and they have regret and they feel bad. And 
whether it takes them one year or it takes them 50 years, tshuva, everyone is going to do. The challenge is, is that I don't know what's the right and what's the wrong. I don't know whether it's right or... And that is something that's called eating. Eating is a phenomena, something. Food is bigashmias. That is both. And, and the solution is not abstinence. You think about it. If a person will say, since there's poison in food, which there is, I'm not going to eat. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. We are here, we are here to eat. We are here to do birudim. In other words, I don't want to deal with that because I don't know what's right, what's wrong. I'm just going to abstain myself from it. That's something that's usher. There was a great Hasidic Jew who became a big Hasidic Rebbe that when he was younger, he was trying to um, exercise his self-discipline. How do you exercise it? One of the ways that I, 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 I exercise the muscle of discipline, of boundaries, is by not eating. That's a classic Jewish approach. And he would fast beyond the norm. He reached a place where he never ate during the week. Never ate during the week, whatever that means, not during the day. A great Jew. And at some point, he began to have heretical thoughts. He began to think, is there a God, is there not a God? And it was foreign to him, and he went crazy. And he went running to his Rebbe. And he told his Rebbe, how, how, how is, how, why, what's going on inside of me? Look at me. So the Rebbe told him that you're fasting. The Rebbe told him that in food... There are things that are not good, and then there are great energies in the food. When you're eating, of course you're also eating, and yet we have to struggle whether we're overeating, whether we're eating poison, sugar, but there's another side to food. There's, there's a spark of God in the food. Not eating means you're not ingesting the spark of God. You, you are so disconnected from God that you're getting heretical thoughts. That was the Aptarov. That was the sheet of the Baal Shem Tev that was against fasting. There were always exceptional people. Obviously, a side of the halachic fast days. Which there we do get to exercise and to prove to ourselves that we do have discipline. We, if we want, we have discipline. I don't have discipline for a month. I have discipline for a day. And if we do that every day, then we'll have discipline for a month. I'm just not going to do it today. Then I'm just, just not going to do it tomorrow. Do the same way we fast. Just another couple of hours. So that's the thing about eating. So eating represents that uh, we are here in this world to engage. That's speaking about engaging in things, engaging in feelings, engaging in ideas, engaging with people, all with a kavana. That we and that, both, we have good and bad. And to have the humility to acknowledge that in me there's bad. And to have the humility to see that there's good in the other. And in everything, and to see what's the good and what's the bad, and we struggle with that. The whole gemara, the whole the whole halach is, is it kosher or not? What are we str- we're struggling? It's not just beyond the, whatever the I, the topic is. Is it good or bad? And every humanity is on that path. Is this right or is this wrong? And people don't know. People are confused, and we have to work. It's like when you eat, your body is working, and the goal will be ultimately to f- discover the bad and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, to to take the good and to throw out the bad. At Khan, weekday. On Shabbos, listen to these words, there is no bad in the world. I don't know how that means practically. We're, we're living in a, in, a, in a Gehenna world. Talking about in the ideal world. On Shabbos, there is no separating the good from the bad. The Alter Rebbe says that just like in the desert, when we ate the manna, physically, the body did not create waste from the manna. People were uncomfortable with the manna because of this. 
Not because it didn't taste good. It tasted amazing. But when you eat and the body doesn't expel anything, psychologically, the few times, it was just a few times that we told Moshe we can't deal with the mana. People ask, why couldn't you deal with the mana? It's a gift and you don't have to work. And oh yeah, but it was not human food. It's pure good. Mystically, Shabbos is pure good. This joke that people say that the food on Shabbos doesn't have calories, it's the opposite. It's the opposite because 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 it, the part of the food that the body expels, at least that, is not absorbed in you. On Shabbos, it's double the calories. No, really, because there's no bad. Every you you you, you had the whole thing is good. How about you not saying it to the right crowds? I'm saying it. I'm saying what the matter. Okay, I take erase delete erase was. How is it possible that the Shabbos food has no bad? So this is the word. This is the secret over here. We're speaking about bringing down the yud and the vav and the hay and the hay. On some place up there, not one step above us, many, many steps above us, many steps, pure good. For people that think that after a person passes away, the next world is pure good, no, there's Ganed and there's Gehenim. You have Talmudic stories where someone was irritated because of their neighbor in Ganeden. I want to break the news to you now. In other words, it's not like then everything will be so gavaldic. It depends to what Ganeden you're going. In other words, the, the concept that there are, there are things that are not perfect, the imperfection. Imperfection is not a phenomenon only of here. God is perfect. We got that. This world is the most imperfect thing that ever was created. There's nothing more imperfect than here. But in between, there are many steps. On some step, all the way up there, in the world of Atsilus, four steps up, whatever the words are, doesn't matter the concept. That means once you reach a high level, we come to a place where it's perfectly good. Perfectly good. If we are able to bring that here, then here will also be perfectly good. So just imagine, just using these mystical names and letters, and they have some power, is that the Yud and the hay represent some sort of energy that's perfect on every level. Whatever perfection means, it's that, plus. The Vav and the hay, which is where we're living, everything is not perfect. Nothing is perfect. During the week, we're separating. We're not drawing anything down. We're diving into the darkness. We're diving into going to therapy. You're not running away from it. You're going into it. You're trying to understand. You're trying to analyze. Ah, this part is good. This part is bad. During the week, we are in this. We're not going away. We're not, we're not just shine some light. Person is irritated. Tell them, no, 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 no. Just be, opt- be optimistic. Everything is wonderful. That's Shabbos. That's not during the week. Very important. That's why most people intuitively, they get irritated most times. Sometimes it works for them. Why are you being so pessimistic? Look at all the good in your life and everything is wonderful. If it works, it's a Shabbos dick, I think. During the week, the concept is, if something is not good, understand it even more. And you might get even more irritated. Good. But then you'll, be, you'll get clarity that you're irritated, not from all of it, from that part of it. But the other part is actually good. So if you can separate, and you, there's the avoid Humanity is on this trip. Every human being is on this trip. Every person in LA especially is on this trip. Avoid of therapy. And that's going into a dysfunction and understanding it deeper. Not avoiding it. Not making everything good by just looking at the good. That's Shabbos. Birudim. Separation from good and bad.
You have to live in the dark. You have to want the dark. Everything here has a shadow. If you see a world without a shadow, you're, you're blind. To see the light, to see the shadow. And people hate that. But that's, the, that's why we're here during the week. Shabbos is the Avoidah, which people think is the Avoidah of Hasidim. The Avoidah of Hasidim is to do both. Shabbos, I'm going to somehow connect myself to the Yud and the Hay. And now, now comes the question. And now I have to bring it here. How do you do that? How do you bring some perfect something into this world? How do you merge? And you merge it, just like that. It was not merged. So actually, he didn't he didn't merge it at all. There he he, he, couldn't, he, said. he couldn't correct. But we're here and we're trying to like you were davening. We're, we're trying to bring something good over here, not by separating the good and the bad. Separating the good and the bad is that the good is already here. I don't have to I don't have to introduce anything though. I just have to separate the good and the bad. Weekday, Shabbos I'm I'm making a yichud. I'm I'm taking something lofty, and I'm bringing it down over here. A yichud will be is that you have your idea of what the most beautiful house would look like, and you have someone design it, and then you put it on the and then you do it. That's that's that. So you you that that's beauty to have those French windows on that side. Oh, have it in your mind, and then you then they build it. Boom. That's called bringing something perfect into this world. How is that done? By eating on Shabbos. By eating on Shabbos. Good. <laughs> no, by the way, yes, yes. So the Alter Rebbe says like this. Something that's very lofty doesn't want to come down. And the coarseness of this world is not open to anything other than it. See, there's two challenges. The light doesn't want to go down and the vessel is full of itself and it doesn't want to receive anything new. Not only, this, this, is, this, is, this is so emis. You know, you have to not only listen, but then see how this is mamish the way it is in your experience. Yeah. That's, not, that's not something you can teach, but this is mamish the way it is. So, so now we're up to three. So again, there's birurim. That's the majority of our life. Something bothers you to go into it, not go away from it. We go into the fire. Shabbos, no, no, no. Shabbos, we're bringing light. We're taking away the shadow. But be aware that there's that there's there is a tension, there's a struggle, there's a resistance on two levels. The resistance is from the light, listen to the words, and there's a resistance from the receptacle. On Shabbos, the light is humble. Humble light is yud, yud is little. The humbleness, the humility, the surrendering of the light. Let me see different words. You have the Zinagunim. You have a Neshama, right? What's that song? The Neshama is light. The Neshama is in Ganeiden. The Neshama looks from there down here, doesn't want to come here. Why does it come here? Because it surrenders to God. It senses God wants me to do it. So I'll do it. It's a mission. I don't want to do it. I'm doing it for God. That's the bittle of the light. The light has to be bottle to allow itself to go down. And that's the Yud merging with the Vav. A yud merging with the vav in Kabbalah words, the vav is a, is a person, the vav, and a person is ayidala. In Yiddish, you can see Yiddish is very important for all of you people. Ayid, ay, ayud is ayud. 
the Germans called us Juden. We're Juden. We're Yid. We're, we're Yuds. That means they they saw a body. They know they they knew that's a Yud. Because when the neshama comes into us, the yichud of the neshama into you, into me, is that down here, the yud still remains the yud. It merges. There is, and we can access that. Sometimes it's hard. That means there is something in us that is mamish here the way it's there. That's only for the Jew. And for the mana. For everything else, it's the hey hey. So the hey hey means that something lofty comes down, but the light is not humbled enough. We are not humble enough. It's not mamish merging. What is that? Shabbos food. In other words, theoretically, Shabbos food is perfect. But people say, what are you talking about? Shabbos food is like weekday food, meaning there's waste in it. What, you think if you eat sugar on Shabbos, it's not going to clog your arteries? Yeah, it does. But it shouldn't. Why is it happening? Because, yeah, it, it, it's closer to something ruchni. Something came here. It's almost here. It doesn't want to come fully down. We want to go up, but we don't want to go up. I want to be a better, but I'm not, I don't want to be better. So that's the hey, hey. The hey, hey. How do you spell hey? How do you spell out hey? Hey, hey. And this, so va- so, so it, it, it's it remains double. Al Tareb is saying, reveal to me the secret, Yegalalantame, of the loaves of bread. He doesn't mean the twelve. Reveal to me the secret. Why is it that on Shabbos we know the world is holier? We know that God is more revealed, but it's not. It's almost, but it's not. The Inun, it's like the letter in God's name. What letter in God's name? Kfila, the double letter. The double letter is the hey. Hey, hey. The hey and the hey doesn't merge. Klisha is the vav, yud and the vav. The skinny letter, the one letter, that merges. The hey and the hey doesn't merge. What will make it merge? What will make it merge? Listen to these words. Is when we completely surrender. When there is a total surrender by we down over here. Then the whatever is stuck completely comes down over here. The reason why we are unable to go to Ganeiden the way we are, even though the Gemara tells of Rabbi Shua ben Levi, there were extra extraordinary people, Eliyahu Navi, is because we are not completely surrendered to God, all the way down to our bones. So everything is doubled. There are certain places in this world, the Ma'ara that when you walk in there, you completely surrender to God. Mamish. How almost tragic, but ironic, is that until today, you have to have a certain amount of bittel to go to heaven. Because it's dangerous. Surrender. The Avir of Ganeiden, listen to these words. These are words I'm, I'm perhaps suggesting, is what's happening right now. That that uh, some people react with fear when you have the majority of the world that they want to annihilate us, mamish. 
when our when our friends, just just the obsession with Israel is crazy. It's crazy. Imagine if there would be a person that would be shadowing you for 70 years. Shadowing you only to find your fault. Would you even explain yourself to that person when they point out your faults? No. If someone that's all they do, they follow you to find your flaws. That's what the world is doing to the Jew. We just we don't realize it. That's how cloudy we are. No. Look at the whole what what are they obsessed? Guys, you should know that right now there are 32 world wars going on in the world today. 32 wars. Hayoim. Ask even yourself, name me other than Ukraine, tell me another war. And these are wars in which many, many more people, not soldiers, are getting killed today. This is not new. I'm saying I'm saying the 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 revealed obsession. They're obsessed with us in a bad way. They are obsessed with us to hurt us. That is that is so in, in the face of a person. I don't even care why. And the tragedy that the people that represent us even find it important to justify. justify. That's the beginning of the mistake. Someone is talking down at you for for 2,000 years, wanting to kill you. That's a person to whom, at best, to the so-called friends you ignore, that's at best. I'm saying, so you look at that, I'm saying uh, uh, intelligent people, either they dissociate, the thing that's getting me the most is the hostages. Like, like there's a nine, nine month old. There's a six month old. Like, the only way is not to think about it. That's called to dissociate. That's not what God wants. God wants us to see this. But bittle. I don't know. Bittle. You have to surrender to God. You have to surrender. If people, if people are in touch with what's happening, they'll be filled with pain. And the only way to get rid of the pain, the only way we can live with pain, is either again to dissociate. Or to have such a bittle to God, which is difficult. But this bittle to God is like that. That's what Alter Rebbe is. So the, now it's called Mo'ara Samachpela. It's a double. It's double because there's something right near us. There's godliness. There's a whole new reality. But no, show it to me. Look at this world. This world looks so evil. So it's called doubled. It's not merging. It's trapped. There's something holy trying to come here that Rebbe told us 30 years ago. Mashiach is he's not here yet. Like there's something here. And it's not merging. So we need Shabbos. We need Bittel. But then Shabbos brings it in. Right? Even on Shabbos, the Alter Rebbe says. Mm-hmm. No, in the base, even on Shabbos, Shabbos, you know what should have been on Shabbos? You know what's going to be when Mashiach comes on Shabbos? We're going to eat on Shabbos. The food that we eat on Shabbos won't have any waste. Why is that not happening now? Because all these things are true, but the physicality of the world is not allowing it to penetrate. It's not. It's not united. It's just aligned. It's glued. It's not one. It's Ma'ara Samachpela. We where is Ganadin? Ganadin is here. Where is God? God is here. But why why don't I see it? Because because I'm not bottle enough. And there's many levels of bittel. And 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 this these events, I think when a person, number one, should not dissociate, I can't do it anymore. I know that. What we have if you can't do it anymore, then you did it wrong. God never wants us to disconnect from reality, ever. That's blasphemous. That's taking God's name in vain. Disassociating from Gashmi is blasphemous, according to Judaism. It's Avoy Dezara. But it's painful, bittal. There's no other way. You don't think we have bittal now? I mean, the 
much deeper. This, this, I know that's we're happy. There's no other way. That's why we're united. There's so much surrender. There's such deep surrender going on right now. We're connecting. There's already miracles. We need the ultimate miracle. We need Mashiach over here. And there's a, some type of bittle that has to happen. I'm talking to me. Oh, there's a certain, that's the way the Alta, that, that's my understanding of the Alta Rebbe. When he speaks about something godly and this world, try to connect. Sometimes it flows. Sometimes it remains double. What's lacking? Bittel. Bittel is surrender. And, and I think the Jewish people collectively are in a state of big bittel. The tzedakah that people are giving is because they're surrendered. Yeah. The good that people are doing is bittel. It's all bittel. And the way the antidote to pain is bittel. Because if you're bottle, you can't have pain. You can manage the pain. We're going to have pain. It will be manageable. If you have your ego, why, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? You'll go nuts. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone is trying to run the whole thing over here. Right? You have to have bittel. No, bittel, bittel, anger means, anger, anger for me is a simon that I don't have bittel to God. I'm not saying bittel to our enemies. To them you have to have anger. To them it's a mitzvah to have anger. It's a, it's not reactive, it's an obligation to be angry. Mitzvah to them. I'm talking about to, you take a step back, what's going on over here? We're living in a dangerous moment. al very dangerous. Because it became acceptable, mamish, to hate the Jewish people. If there would be people shouting in the universities, let's burn all the black people, they would not be accepted. Not because there's a First Amendment. It would not be tolerated. The only hatred that's tolerated in the whole world is against the Jew. And not everyone even is going to acknowledge that. It's mishuga. So what do we do? I'm sure there are things that we can do, but I'm talking about inner work, bittel. And that in itself brings brings down the, the light of Mashiach. Bittel is emuna. There's the deepest level of emuna, and 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 emuna is really surrendering. And and yeah yeah, I'm happy you said that. When I'm going to wage battle against my enemy, I'm not supposed to surrender. I have to be very much engaged, and I have to think about what I'm going to do. I'm not talking about towards the enemy. I'm talking about in relationship to God, huh? Happy bittel sadness. Bittel is not sad. Surrender. Surrender. Just think this in life. In life, think about something, I think, uh, if a man would have given birth, it would be bittle. Like when you're about to face something that you know is going to kill you. It's going to hurt you, not kill you. Like, eh, what are you going to do? Bittle. Bittle means you surrender. I don't know how to surrender, surrender. We have to surrender to God. We have to surrender to reality. Let's leave it at that. It's a mystical part with the haze, but